The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hello and welcome to the Horn One Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the one-on-one podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. that we live uh, in our multidimensionality, we live simultaneous lifetimes. Let's say if in another lifetime I was Cleopatra. Cleopatra's still living out her life right now as I'm living out my life right now as the contemporary Mandy. Our soul is that vast that it can be in many places at one time. Now, the reason that I wrote that 
Solaris at first, she faints and her soul leaves her body, is because I wanted to make it simple for the audience to understand this transition of what's happening and to give it more of a dramatic, like, she's completely gone. And her husband starts even asking her, like, what's going on with you? I don't understand the supernatural like you do. Are you dream? Are you want to, are you having an affair? Like, because you're not present. He, he mentions the non-presence, like something has taken you. Even when you're here, something has taken you right so that can be a part of it too is we could be physically here and conscious and talking but yeah there is something that that's taking us in a different way we're not in the same presence maybe than we would have been you know at another time or with a different person back to another episode of the one on podcast your host as always want to make sure to follow the show on social media at the one-on-one podcast tjojp.com make sure to get your homunculus owner's manual comic book occultist mundi all that good stuff tjojp.com patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast and if you're listening to this on youtube wherever Comment, like, subscribe, thumbs up, review, all that good stuff. Share the show. And thank you for being here. Mandy, returning guest of the show. How you been? I've been fantastic. I've been tripping in life. How about you, Juan? Tripping in life with the aid of substances or without? No, just completely sober. I mean, just I, the trip is more like weird when we're just completely sober. We're like, oh, my God, what is going on? Yeah, I've, I've been OK. I've been just working, you know, family, work, podcasting, research. And I've been nice. working, been working on my book. I've been trying to nice. to I've been working on it for a long time. <laughs> and it's funny because I had so I, I had a poster fall the other night. And like we heard this, like something make a noise in the middle of the night. And we're like, what the hell was that? So like we're looking around the house and we didn't even know. And it turns out it was the the cover because I already have the cover to my book. And that was the one that fell off. So I guess that's like a sign to get to it or something. I don't Always. Know. Always. Those are, those are the signs. That's how the universe and our higher self work. They're like, hey, you. You're not moving it along. We're going to we're going to throw you along so you can get it done. So you recently. Is it done yet? Is it. Is it coming out soon? What are the details on your new piece of the book? Right. And then an audio drama with it. Yeah. So, yes, it's it's one in the same, but then it's two different experiences. So right now at the moment you can get the audio drama series, which is called The Soul Effect. And The Soul Effect is a seven episode, it's like no longer than like 12 to maybe 19, 15 minutes of an audio experience. So it's essentially when, do you remember, did you ever hear that story back in the day when um, they were playing War of the Worlds on the radio and everyone freaked out because they thought it was like for real? Yeah. And it's because of the sound effects and nobody could see. We were just hearing or they were just hearing the audio of it. 
So this is the same concept. So I am a content creator for this app called Headphone, and it's an international app. It's like located in India and stuff, but it's really cool. It's it's like the Netflix of audio drama series. So it takes listening to the the traditional audio book or podcast. It puts them together and it creates a an audio experience where there's many actors' voices. There's sound and effects leading us into the next scene and to, you know, driving the story. And that's really like bringing back, you know, what my bread and butter is, the CQ, the creative quotient, so we can get back to getting our imagination to help create the story along with what's being presented with us. So you just hear the audio sound and the audio drama. So that's available right now on the headphone app. You can download it on your Android or your iPhone. And then you subscribe to all the episodes, which I gave you all the episodes. So what do you think, Juan? It was interesting. It was it was different. A lot of esoteric and occult themes in it, most definitely. Right? And for if, if you know, you know. So if you're listening to yes. it and you're able to pick up on some of those. And again, like I said, I wanted you to give the synopsis or or summary of you all without I don't want to give any spoilers away so if you want to but yes I did finish it I enjoyed it and there's something about right when when you are listening to something and the original airing that you're talking about I believe was in 1938 Orson Welles War of the Worlds where they did broadcast that and they people thought it was for real they thought it was going on like in real time that they were taking over the world and yeah. it's it's when you're listening to something it's a little bit different when you're reading a book and you are you are forming pictures in your mind of like the characters and i remember as a kid reading like goosebumps or uh, you know one of the ones that they turn into a motion picture the the series of unfortunate events i, I remember that mandy i don't know how old you are but i'm 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 29, so I don't know if if this is from your age or not, but I remember reading a, the series of unfortunate events, and they turned that into a movie. But the entire time, when you're reading these books, you're letting the actual book and the covers paint a picture of what these characters look like. And then you have mm-hmm. Hollywood, and their cinema magicians. They take it, and sometimes it's kind of weird to see the character, you know, to put a face on that character after you've read the books or whatever it is, you know, like something that's audio and then they turn it into like a motion picture. They do that a lot with, with comic books. And I know they've been doing it with like the Disney movies lately too. Mm -hmm. So so it's like a, it's like a weird experience. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, as, and uh, before I explain some of the, the series is that this is the story originated from my book that's also going to be published, it's part of the Soul Effect series. This is book one. There will be three books. This one is called Esto No Es Polanco. So when they asked me as a content creator, as a writer to write a seven episode series, they say, okay, you know, give me, give us that, give us like a list of four topics you want to write about. And then we'll go from there and then we pick them. And then they give me a creative team and we workshop them. I have deadlines to write the episodes and then there's an editor and there's a you know the sound engineer and we cast the actors and all that stuff but the interesting thing is even though it's an audio series I can relate to writing something for like episodic season or exactly what you said when we read the book and then we see the movie is 
The difference is because of time, you have to leave out a lot of, you know, a chunks of the story. So this is where I'm like, okay, it's like two projects, but it's the same project in one, you know? So in the audio series, as you heard, I had to take out a lot of stuff, but it still made, it still gives you beginning, middle and end. And I really appreciate that you totally, of course you do, can see the esoteric and occult symbolism around it, because that is usually I kind of have to like really dive and explain what all that is about. But someone like you want who understands and knows that symbology and knows that, that, that filter of perception through life, you're able to be the perfect audience member to take in exactly what I'm trying to demonstrate in the story. And the story is essentially my care. My main character, Solaris Marine is a, she's a, a Mexican American woman and she is traveling through different timelines, really. And she's as she's traveling through timelines at the beginning, she's not aware of this. She's not aware of this. And the only way she starts to become aware is because one moment she's in, in Polanco, which is a beautiful kind of suburb in Mexico City. It's like the uh, Beverly Hills of Mexico City. And uh, she lives there with her husband, Elias. And the first episode, as, as I'm sure you could tell, was very like passionate and steamy and everything that, you know, people like to kind of, you know, that, that's what catches their attention, honestly, you know. So, yes, Bolanco, Bolanco. OK, if you guys visit Mexico City, please go to the neighborhood. It's like a borough. It's like in New York City, how they have boroughs. It's the same concept. Bolanco is one of them. And Bolanco is one of the richest most refined, artistic, beautiful places that you can visit. Oh my God, it's so amazing. It's where and the cartel leaders uh, live at, right? <laughs> no. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, it just depends. I mean, it depends what cartel. That would be like Sinaloa. That would be many different places. But Polanco, no. Polanco, there's actually a lot of Americans that live there. And they've brought, I mean, they have like Cartier, they have Tiffany's, they have everything that we would find in, you know, New York, Manhattan and Beverly Hills. It's totally there, but with a beautiful Mexican flair to it. So, I mean, it's completely safe. It's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. So I place the story there or the story starts there. Um, and so we're exploring a place that maybe a lot of people are not either, you know, it or you don't know it. It's one of those things. And if you know it, you're like, Oh, what? And if you don't know it, it kind of like sparks your curiosity, but it's very, it's in a very contemporary setting. And Solaris Moraine lives with her much older husband. So as she's exploring these timelines, we're also exploring these concepts of human reality where, you know, what it's like to be with someone who's maybe much older than you, what it's like to have this kind of like story of, of they talk about in the past that one time he was her teacher and, or her director. And, you know, they were always very respectful and there was always this kind of like, you know, he waited for her till she was of age and stuff. And that's, that's a lot of controversial stuff, but it's in a, it's done in a very respectable way, the way that I wrote it, because sometimes we do come into weird situations like that because it's led by the soul so it's a relationship that's led by the soul and when we talk about it like that and when we understand it from that then a lot of relationships can come from that it can be an older person it can be a younger person it can be someone of the same sex it can be someone of a different ethnicity it can be 
you know, the relationship of the soul, and this is why it's called the soul effect, like cause and effect, is that we really, I like to explore the concept of human relationships and how those human relationships like come together, you know, what's in our present and what's in our past. Because a lot of times, like, you know, even our parents have a past that we don't even know about. People have these great love stories that we don't really know about and we don't explore in the metaphysical realm. So my, my so I do that with Solaris Marine. I'm exploring her multidimensionality through relationship. And we start off with Elias, okay? Her older husband, they have this like history. It's passionate. It's in Polanco. Then she starts to come into her becoming of something starts to activate within her. She doesn't even know this is what's happening to her, but evidence of this happening is she is starting to have visions, these crossover visions of being in another simultaneous life at the same time, except this time it's with her wife, Estrella. So in one reality, she's waking up and she has her husband, Elias. So pay attention to the the symbology, the ease. Elias, and then in another reality, all of a sudden, the next day or in the moment of, she's waking up and she's with her wife, Estrella. So she's like, okay, are these, am I going crazy? Am I seeing visions? Am I crossing timelines? Like, what's really going on here? And the way, uh, a question I guess we could ask, well, you know, if she leaves one life, you know, where is she in the other life? And we kind of just, I kind of display that a little bit in the first scene where she's making, having an intimate, you know, passionate moment with her husband. And then she faints and he describes her as just completely like her soul left her body. And he's like, what the hell happened to you? So she's really, her soul's really leaving her body in these parallel realities. And it's like waking it up in another reality as I mean, hopefully you got that from the first couple of like, I did. episodes And, and the, the her because the name Elias is that Elias is that how you would say that in English? Yeah, Elias. Uh-huh. Doesn't he become her brother in the other life, or like somebody she went to school with? Was it? Yeah, that's it's very interesting how you say that. So as we go later down the line in the timelines, Solaris starts to realize that. She, the, it's like these timelines start to close. So once she's in a certain timeline for so long, the other ones become further to get back into almost mm. like the way that I could describe this is almost like living in a reality where it's like, like this, like invisible plasma that you can't, you can't break through the walls and there's no way of like calling and communicating So Elias actually is still her director that she finds a picture of later, exactly what you're talking about. He's still her director, but it's this barrier where she can't get a hold of him. There's a backstory that she is barely coming to know that he's banished her from her life. And then she finds out through a friend that apparently Elias has always been gay. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, what the hell? What are you talking about? I was married to this man. We had a loft in Polanco. They, she, he, they, she mentions that they have two boys, but they're adopted. She adopted the boys, you know, with with him, which is very important. It's a very important, significant thing on why Solaris Marine doesn't have biological children, but that'll come out later. Um, so she's so she's recollecting all these. Like, what are you talking about? Like, 
I'm going, I must be going crazy then. I'm going nuts because I remember this specifically happening and now I can't get back to it. Now I'm kind of in a sense trapped in this other reality and some weird shit's happening, right? And she's also 33, right? While this is all going on. She's 33, yes. So an um, interesting so number. It's exactly. There's always significance to this initiation that's starting to happen as she's 33. And so, so what's going on? And okay, so this is also happening simultaneously in the book. And so because, you know, by the time I believe we're going to actually show this, the book's going to be out. So, so we'll just talk about both of them at the same time. Okay, yeah. So... In the audio series that you know that one was took the roller coaster right on, right? She's it was just weird because I know what you look like, and then hearing your voice in the you uh-huh. know because it's not an actor, it's you. So I I kind of always had that in the back of my mind. Versus if I'm listening to something for for like the first time, I don't know who the actor is, but I just I I could picture you in the back of my mind as I was listening to the the audio drama. Well, was that a, I mean, do you think it fit the description or was it kind of like, ah, this character is mismatched because I know it's Mandy? No, no. So I'm thinking that maybe this is based on true events. I don't know. I have my own conspiracy. Ooh, I want to hear the conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, these stories that sometimes people tell, it's, I've learned from studying the occult and the esoteric that you know, magicians or occultists or whatever you want to call them, alchemists, they'll, they'll obscure and they'll veil things in fiction because there's something about the intermingling of fiction and reality. It's got a more potent effect, and that's why they make movies that are based on true events. They they hit different, right? They They have a different effect, and I think it goes much deeper because there's something interconnected. The, the world of fiction isn't boxed in by the constraints of reality if you will it's something there's something more metaphysical about it this is why i love having these talks with you because you freaking get it (laughs) (laughs) so okay so let's go let me let me answer your first question so the reason that my voice is solaris marine is because my editor is the one who actually cast me in that role And he said, because I really wanted to have, it was important for me to have Mexican authentic voices with accents. Otherwise I'm like the why it's not going to be true. If we have, you know, people who don't have accents or they're very Americanized, you know, playing these roles. Like I need them to be able to say Tepoztlan, Elias, Oaxaca, you know what I mean? Not like, you know, butcher it up, you know? So I was able to have a lot of creative control as far as like Elias has to have an accent, Estrella has to have an accent, so on and so forth. Some of them can be a little bit like the friend Belinda, they cast that one and she's obviously like normal person, you know what I mean? But when it came to me in my, well, Solaris and my character, you know, because it's also focused a lot on the Mexican-American hybrid DNA that's being accessed here. That's another big element to the book, which I'll, I'll go into in a second, but the editor was like, I really think that you need to cast yourself and you're this main character. He's like, because you, well, I mean, I'm an actor. I'm a voiceover artist. I do a lot of voiceover too. So it's, it's not out of my realms of what I do. So he's like, I think you really need to also like be this character. 
And so there, in, in one sense, I was like, okay, well, I don't want that to come off so like egotistical of me and like ruin the story and it be like, well, she wrote it, she voiced it, she's the main character, all this stuff. But also in the reality of it, I am the main character. I did channel the story. And to answer your question in the realm of, you know, you know, the esoteric and, and the ways that we work with artistry is, yes, a lot of this is based in reality. And it's one of those trippy things that no one would believe it if you told them. Do you know what I mean? No one would believe it if you told them. And the thing is, is that I was already constructing this book literally like a year ago, last July. And I was having a weird like re-circuitry of my brain. And I was like in crisis mode in some way because I had just ended things with my partner. I was alone in my house. I had a lot of time to really sit and think. And I know I knew I was going through some kind of like new metamorphosis initiation. But at this point in my life, um, you know, because I chose the life of the metaphysicist, I, I know that this is part of it. Initiations do hurt and they are uncomfortable. And that's just what happens. But at this point, I'm like, okay, I get it. Let me sit in the fire metaphorically, burn it all, and then tell me what the next path is. So I was writing down this kind of soul alchemy chart of my own soul alchemy. And I was making this kind of like tentacle, you know how I believe, I don't know if you see it like this, but the higher self is like an octopus and we have the head and then we have the offshoot of the tentacles of the souls, which is us and then other souls that are connected to us. And that can be anyone that can be our lovers, our friends, our family, even our enemies can be part of our soul, you know, monad. So I was writing down and I was writing down myself with these three particular people that had, had were really like coming up in my life as far as like reconciling things. And I mean, I'm much younger. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm much older than you want. I'm 36. So I've lived at least like a not, lot not of by much. Not by much. Not by much. Not by much. But I've lived I've lived some good chapters in my life that have been complete like real like one minute I'm I'm with someone and then the next minute I don't even like live in the same state the same place I'm not with them it's a total like uprooting and total transformation because again as a the life that I chose as a metaphysician that's what uh the cosmos do to me for my work or for the energy I need to experience or whatever it's always an exploration of, of what's going to unfold so this is why I believe back in the day, like the high priestesses were like pretty much, you know, when did you ever know of a high priestess being married? Like mm-hmm. they weren't because they had to be alone to conduct the magic. And I mean, I'm sure they had like a lot of lovers, but no one really who was equal to them during those times. So that's a lot of my life sometimes. So during this time, I was like, okay, you know, with the character who is Elias, which all the names are changed. They're not based on the real people. But um, there's Elias, and then there's Estrella, and then there's Emiliano, who's her best friend, right, in the series, who has an interesting twist at the end. And I was like, why do all three of these people have a very similar 
kind of like thing to them. Like even physically, if I look at them, they have like a similar trait to them. And I started going down the line of all the people and I was able to group them. So these three ended up in a specific group to me in the present. And two men, one woman, two of them are an Aries and one of them is a Capricorn, which is another thing that I write about here. I go into the Zodiac signs and the personalities and how some of our Zodiac signs come, you know, when we come together in personality, like it can work or it cannot work. And that's why I think it's really important to understand a person's like rising sign and sun sign and their moon, because then we can understand like why they act the way that they do or why they take in the world that they do. And then nothing's no longer like triggering to us or, you know, we understand human development in a more sophisticated way in that sense, in my opinion. So I'm like going through this and I'm, I'm seeing that there are similarities and I'm seeing these three people in my past have literally played this soul alchemy in my life. I need to, I need to, I need to get it out. I need to, I need to get it out. So, you know, it's expressed in a way that I see it every day. Maybe this is going to be part of the journey to actually close the chapters So when we create things, sometimes people might think, oh, they're opening the floodgates and they're creating this thing to maybe call them back or wield them back. But in my experience, it's because you've already reconciled and you're ready to close the book. So you're fine sharing the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's essentially part of, you know, Esto no es Polanco and the soul effect is it's me really closing some good chapters, closing the book in order to create another book or walk the next path of life. And so I'm okay now with expressing these things. I'm okay with saying, oh, this is a character who her uh, sexuality has always been fluid. She just likes souls, you know, and so maybe some people can relate to that because I don't like to be boxed into oh, you're a lesbian, you're bisexual, you're, you know, whatever the hell they say these days. I've never been like that. I've been like, I'm a human, I have a soul, and I also like other souls. It doesn't matter, you know, what's in between your legs. That's just always my philosophy. So as I'm here writing, able to write this piece of text, I'm also able to, you know, unleash that to the world and be like, it's not a matter of like, there's something wrong with, you know, it's sexuality. It's a conflicting thing. It's like, no, it's not. It's just humans. One minute she has a husband, the next minute she has a wife. That's it. We move forward. You know what I mean? I'm sure your Catholic upbringing was great with that, right? You know, when you first <laughs> came out, your family was, was super happy. Well, you know what? I, I never, again, because I don't claim any kind of labels. That's not me. I just like, did that one day I had a boyfriend one day I had a girlfriend and that was it and then I had a boyfriend again like do you know what I mean it it was people are just people and I refuse to be in that kind of subtext of like now you're in this category now you're in Mm -hmm. that category and I have found too that humans especially men if they like they could be like you know they could be gay And then all of a sudden they can have feelings for a woman and they can be like, oh my God, crazy. And, and they don't know what's going on and their earth is shook. And I'm like, it's not a big deal. People like same, if you're a woman and you've always been married to a man, you have feelings for a woman and you're like, oh my God, like who cares? We're humans. 
again, we have a soul. Oh my God, that concept that the soul is magnetic and the soul you may have known people in other lives. And, you know, we were everything. We were male, female, we were black, white, Mexican, Italian, you know, we were reptilian. We were the great, we were everything. So somewhere in there, our soul particles are going to remember and recognize that Mm -hmm. and then be like, oh, I'm totally taken by you. I'm in love with you. Like, okay, this is just the avatar. It's not a big deal. You know what I mean? I'm curious. How'd you come up with the name uh, Elias or uh, Elias? How'd you come up with that name? Is that a significant name or did you just like it? It's interesting. It's interesting that you keep asking me about Elias. Is there is there something coded there for you? Yeah, there That's, is, that, and it's got to do yeah. with alchemy. So I I figured e- either you know or you don't know, and I'm I'm curious to see if you do know or not. Honestly, I I want you to tell me, but to answer your question, um, I I took Elias because I was sitting in Bolanco uh, one of the last times with my then partner, who was who is the Estrella character. And, I, and we're sitting in Bolanco having the most, the greatest time in an outdoor patio. And all of a sudden, I was thinking of the um, the man who is the real life Elias. And I was thinking of like, that I lived with him here. And it, then that story was coming, like in my mind, like in my imagination. And I was like, but what would I name him? What would his name be? And then I don't know. And then it was just kind of like up in the air like that. And then I really don't know the the exact moment where I channeled and said, his name's going to be Elias, but I'll tell you what was the signifier. And it's in, it's in the story is I was writing and I went down the street to Starbucks to go get a drink and I rolled down the window. And I mean, I, at that time I was kind of really recluse because I was like pissed off about every, my, my world breaking down around me and my ego and the barista hands me my drink and he was really nice to me. And he was like, here you go, man, blah, blah, blah. I hope you have a good day. And I turned and I looked at his name tag and his name was Elias. And I was like, what the f- I'm freaking writing right now this crazy story in my head with this character Elias that I don't remember where the name came from. And then this random barista guy has the, you know, has it written on his name tag. And I was like, 100%, this is a correct, because sometimes I'll change the names. I'm like, this is the correct name for this character. And what I'm writing needs to continue to be birthed. And I told him, I said, Elias, oh my gosh, I love your name. And he's like, oh, thank you. He's like, usually people don't say it right. And I said, no, it's, you say it, Elias, right? And he's like, yes. And I said, I'm actually writing a book right now with a character with your name in it. So by seeing your name on the name tag, what I thank you, it's a beautiful synchronicity. You made me very happy right just now. And he was very kind and he was like, well, that's cool. I, congratulations on your book, blah, 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 whatever. So to answer your question, that's, as far as I remember about the name Elias, but tell me about the alchemy. So almost like a sort of psychopomp guiding you to, to for guiding you towards an answer. And I'm guessing you never saw that guy ever again. No, never. So the interesting part and the reason why that stood out to me was because Elias Artista is this, this Rosicrucian, messiah figure immortal alchemist entity no, you're right one right, 
You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I totally forgot about this. I did read about Elias Artista, and they said that he was going to come back. He, even though I think it's many souls that yes. will represent the he, he's going to come back to bring, you know, the light of the world and the artistry and the alchemy in a time when everything's breaking down. You're so right. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. See, I totally forgot. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So oh. that's why that stood out to me. And I was wondering if you know, because I know you know about alchemy and you talk a lot about the soul and soul alchemy. And yeah. I believe that alchemy is conducted on many fronts, not just not just the physical, right? You have the metaphysical, the spiritual, the psychological, and and right, the these alchemists are working on four different planes of existence simultaneously mm -hmm. to achieve that magnum opus and it's it's significant that that elias artista because he presents himself when you're about to achieve the magnum opus when you're about to acquire that golden state whatever it is right and yo i got chills and, and i believe <laughs> that right before the the reddening stage the which is signaling the magnum opus I believe the blackening stage happens right before that, which is essentially the putrefaction, the breaking down, the destruction, and, you know, rising from the ashes, the phoenix, right? So from the destruction and from the death, from the putrefaction comes forth the life. So it's interesting that your life was, quote unquote, breaking down and then being sort of renewed again, right? Because, again, I, I think that... and. I think that we go through multiple transmutations throughout our entire life, uh, you know, and then Jung was big on that. He, that's the reason why he was so interested in alchemy because he believed that these alchemists were pretty much the first like self-help group. They were the first people to be yes. able to kind of take mentality and take the, the mental state and able to manifest change within their actual lives in, in a sort of like, that's why the placebo effect is so important and so powerful because essentially that's, that's the real magic. You're using your mind, you're using your subconscious, you're using your psyche, whatever it is to bring forth a change, a biological change at that to affect your life, right? To make yourself better, to make yourself get over something. And when they say mind over matter, that that's, that's an actual thing because I've seen that firsthand for my own self uh, with even people that I know where they've overcome something because of the mindset that they were in. That's why when they give somebody like a diagnosis and, and the first thing they tell them is you have X amount of time to live and they're out before that time is even up because they eat away at themselves. They become a black hole in a sense and they suck themselves in and they just shrivel up and, and die. So totally. Yes. I mean, and this is why, like, I love these having these authentic conversations. Um, and, and, oh, my God, I, I am just super happy that you reminded me you triggered that memory in me because I, I know I have that article. There's a there's a paper on him. And I remember reading it and, and reading that exactly what you said and thinking, oh, my gosh, like, this is exactly what's happening to me. And then you bring up Elias again. And I'll tell you what which is great because I, I doubt he'll ever see this this because I'm on it. But the real Elias has actually showed up recently in my life. 
He needed some of my credentials to prove some things because, you know, for his own business and stuff like that. But it was very like, it just showed up out of nowhere. And I, I was like, whoa, okay. I just, here's, here's the, the sound effect. Here's Estornos Polanco that's coming out. And then here's Elias, the character based on Elias that has not talked to me for like 13 years like showing up in a very like, Hey, can you just send me this? Because, and not even talking to me, it's very indirect. I'm like, what the hell? And then you bring up Elias. I'm like, something going on here. You yeah. know, it's, it's all chemical. Round. Yeah. Most it's definitely. All chemical. Oh, the oh, universe, the it. universe and the powers that be are, are trying to, to maybe, you know, say something. Whenever I, whenever I experience a synchronicity, I take it as like a breadcrumb of, you know, reality or whatever, God, like whatever, right? The source trying to tell you something. And I take it as like being on the correct path or something. And even with like deja vu and the whole concept of living like multiple lives, that's not too Mm -hmm. far-fetched because there are people, right? There's, there's stories of children that remember their past lives. There's, there's stories of, of, right people but then the scary part of it is like how in the book where your soul quite literally leaves your body it's like does one timeline have to suffer and like another one is you're present in one of them but you're absent in the other like what happens to your body that's your vessel is like how many times is this happening where people just peace out and they never come back and oh they're just in a coma yeah. you know what i'm saying like something happens totally. but something more metaphysical is going on totally well i i believe that you know we live uh, in our multi-dimensionality we live simultaneous lifetimes so let's say if in another lifetime i was cleopatra cleopatra is still living out her life right now as i'm living out my life right now as the contemporary mandy So our soul is that vast that it can be in many places at one time. Now, the reason that I wrote that Solaris at first, like she faints and her soul leaves her body is because I wanted to make it simple for the audience to understand this transition of what's happening and to give it more of a dramatic, like she's completely gone. And her husband starts even asking her like, what's going on with you? I don't understand the supernatural. Like you do. Are you dream? Or do you want to, are you having an affair? Like, cause you're not present. He, he mentions the non-presence, like something has taken you. Even when you're here, something has taken you. Right. So that can be a part of it, too, is we could be physically here and conscious and talking. But, yeah, there is something that has taken us in a different way. We're not in the same presence, maybe, than we would have been, you know, at another time or with a different person. So, yes, I do think I don't think our reality suffer, but I do think a lot of our soul aspects are in each like peace and in each person and there is something about collecting those pieces at some point too that become part of the story so so then we go as we we we've been with Elias and then we've been with Estrella and you'll see the that's another relationship I wanted to highlight because sometimes when it's two women people think oh it's always nice and peachy and it's like no in this case Estrella's really like narcissistic to Solaris and she's kind of mean to her and she reminds her like you're a hybrid you know you're you're a Mexican-American yeah. I'm full Mexican so you know she has this soapbox she's kind of she like a bitch right sometimes she's a super yeah she's a super <laughs> bitch yeah <laughs> 
It's funny because we're talking you know, about real people. <laughs> we're talking about real people. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, if, and she's a writer too. So she understands, you know, if you don't want to be portrayed in a certain way. And of course we embellish to make fiction interesting. But if you don't want to be portrayed in a certain way, then you should have behaved better. That's how the story goes, you know. But so then there's, you know, there's the third character. There's Emiliano, who is Solaris's best friend. And he's always he's always there in, in most of the timelines and he calls her, he's checking in on her. She goes to him as one of her most private confidants and says, like, I'm losing my mind. You know, one minute I'm here, the next minute I'm there. Like, how am I supposed to make sense of this? And somehow he he kind of has a way to help her unfold this metaphysical mystery, like, okay, no, 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 you're not losing your mind. You really were with Elias and you really were with Estrella. And he starts to like give her the clues, like, okay, so what's happening? So the relationship with El with uh, Emiliano and Solaris is because she has confided in him her most deep, deepest, darkest secrets, he essentially has that arsenal and he can use it at any time. So they're so close that they're able to meet in the etheric together. He lives out of town from her. So they meet in the etheric and he finally reveals to her, yes, I'm your best friend, but really I'm not. I'm your greatest enemy. And I just needed to get close to you in order to get your soul to complete my soul like whole like design. So he ends up being in like this tentacle of souls Emiliano is actually Solaris's main counterpart. And if we believe in like twin souls and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Or if you believe in like there's a dark twin and there's a light twin, that would be the example of that. And unbeknownst to Solaris, she's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? And his whole time, he, he literally plotted for like lifetimes to be close to her. And this was finally the moment that he was able to like, get her she's she has eliminated elias he's lim eliminated estrella he's gotten her to the holodeck of the timeline where she was finally able to jump to be boom with him and he reveals to her that he's doing this because in a past life he was octavian augustus caesar and he was the one who was part of you know, killing Cleopatra and the downfall of Egypt and Alexandra, if you know the history. And this is where we learn that this whole time, this soul effect awakening is because Solaris at one time, one of her lives was Cleopatra, was Isis. So she became reincarnated into what she believes is the second most important or second most powerful parallel life DNA, which is in her, in the book into the Mexican culture, into mm -hmm. the, the, the hybrid of the, of the indigenous and the Spanish because why? And, and there's a little bit of this in the audio, but there's all of this in the book is she, and I'm explaining it. I know it seems like I'm giving it away, but I, I, I want to explain it because it's, there's a lot of like, like you say, esoteric concepts here and how do we fuse you know, Cleopatra and ancient Egyptian society and mythology into the Mexican folklore, right? So that's what I'm doing. So 
In the um, traditional Egyptian mythology, they say that Cleopatra was not going to be killed by the Roman Empire or by Augustus Caesar. She was she killed herself with with snakes. Either she took snake poison or the snakes bit her. So this story goes further and it shows the conversation that chosenone.com. Go visit chosenone.com. It's easy to remember if you just sing along. Chosenone.com. Go visit chosenone.com. The chosen one. Yes, he is a chosen one. He's got his own comic and now he's got his own song. Cause he's the chosen one Yes, he is the chosen one Go buy a copy at Chosenone.com Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com She has with the snakes And what she does is she makes a pack with these metaphysical snake beings. And she says, you're going to help me make sure that the Roman Empire ceases to exist. So you're going to make them infertile or you're going to make them essentially all homosexual so they cannot breathe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that becomes the pact and that's the imploding of the destroying of the Roman Empire on, you know, that was the, it's called Cleopatra's curse. So Cleopatra's curse, she made them all gay and she made them infertile. Is this a real and concept? I've never heard of this. Or did you come no, up with this? This is my concept. This is what got downloaded wow. to me. That's, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so you'll appreciate this. So again, remember I said, I'm, I'm writing this book this time last year in July. But then in January, I went to New York. I don't know if I told you, I went to New York and I, I went to a couple of auditions and stuff and one of those auditions was with the material of Antony and Cleopatra. And I was doing a, a monologue from, you know, Cleopatra and she's having this monologue. She's like, you know, I'd rather you chain me to my highest pyramid and I'll hang myself before you, you kill me. You know what I mean? She's saying these, these words. So as I was auditioning, the director, he's from Florida state conservatory, which is actually in Sarasota. He gives me a note and he says, okay, I want you to think of nothing. Just completely close your eyes, take a couple of breaths. And when I say go, just say the words. Okay. Now, if anyone knows, like we do one, you know, the, the, the metaphysical arts and, and esoteric and occult stuff, it's, you know, there is sometimes involves channeling that can take place. So essentially, I mean, I've been a trained actor my whole life. I have a BFA in theater and performance, and it's a craft that you learn. And it's very parallel to magic and mysticism, you know, what you do. I'd say it's the so, same thing. 100%. So I know what he's asking me to do. He's asking to see how well I can channel, which I thought, like, damn, okay, all right, well, let's do it then. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't try to do it. You just allow the body, the voice, and the mind to release to see what the download is going to come. So you are essentially now just the avatar, if that makes sense. So I did it. I stood quiet. I released a couple of breaths. I closed my eyes. He gave me the signal and I start speaking. And as I start speaking, the channeling of this is completely different than how I would performed it before. It was, she was more like vulnerable, raw, 
I start crying, like, <gasps> and I'm saying these words. And then I like stop I, when I'm done, I close my eyes and I'm still crying and I'm sobbing. And it's not until he like snaps his fingers and he says, very good. Isn't that a completely different monologue? And I knew one, what I knew happened to me was whatever consciousness, you know, that is Cleopatra, however you want to believe it, came into me. And for the first time, I think we really felt her true sentiments before she died. Because usually, you know, Cleopatra, she's this woman of power, of course, we're not going to take that away from her 100%. But guess what, in this moment, when she's about to die, her, her empire is about to be taken out by the Roman Empire. They've already killed one of her children. They've killed Julius Caesar. They've killed uh, Mark Antony. Okay, she's got two more kids left. They're gonna they're gonna take them. They're gonna kill them the same. This is all on her shoulders. It's all on her watch that this has happened. So you don't think that human Cleopatra isn't gonna fucking be so broken down that she's like, what the fuck? It's it. You know what I mean? Like we're human. I don't care how powerful you are. You're gonna have this like gut wrenching reaction. And I feel that we've never heard that before, at least from from what I've read or seen, we're always placed with a character that's very like stoic and powerful, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I felt it. It came through to me and she was very vulnerable and she was very defeated. And she was like, (gasps) you know, and then soon after that, I went to go visit the, what's Cleopatra's needle in Central Park. And it's this obelisk. It's a, it's a relic. And I stood in front of it and I, I felt the coldness of it. It felt so cold and I came back, maybe I came back a couple of weeks later and I was like, again, like I just let the book sit there and I was reconfiguring myself. And then all of a sudden I started to have this download and I was like, wait a second. And I started to write and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I'm like, um, Cleopatra made a pact with these snakes with this. And I keep saying metaphysical because it was more like a, like an etheric entity she made a pact with them. And she said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do this for me, which involved ending the Roman empire in your slithery, energetic way. And I am going to be the genesis for you to evolve and have your own creation. At the time, who knew, who knows what that was going to be. But now as I investigate my own DNA and my own, Mexican, American, indigenous, uh, Spanish hybridness. I'm like, wait a second. Mexico has more pyramids than Egypt does. Okay. And you look at the folklore of Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl was, was a feathered serpent being. Mm-hmm. And there's all these, there's all these parallels to ancient Egypt. And so it came to me and it's in this book it came to me that Cleopatra, her side of the bargain was, as she's going to be the genesis, meaning she's going to be the mother, she's going to be the energetic, and she's going to be the DNA. Because when you break down Genesis, Genesis means the generation of Isis. So why wouldn't it be in what she can, or what we all consider, because this is what I grew up, what I am born as, as one of the most powerful hybrid races on the planet. Now, let me know that they're, everybody's a powerful hybrid in their own. I mean, you are your Puerto Rican, right, Juan? Like, everybody has their hybrid hybridization. I come from my perspective of Mexican-American, Spanish, Indigenous, because this is who I am in this life. So from my perspective and my avatar and my activated hybridized DNA, 
Cleopatra was going to come into this society, into this embodiment, into this realm, and she was going to give those serpent tree creatures life and consciousness, which is what I believe truly is the Mexican consciousness. Interesting, because in in the 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 concept of serpents is a worldwide one and the idea right it goes back to quite literally genesis where they don't really say what the fruit was that that they ate right everyone kind of sort of assumes it's an apple and we've always associated the apple with knowledge and apples and worms well worms back then was also serpents right and and dragons too so again reptilian Mm -hmm. in nature and the concept of the ouroboros and you have yaldabaoth the demiurge is also this lion-headed serpent being and so did she did she make a pact with reptilians and you see these civilizations that are spread apart so far away from one another Yet they have the same iconography sometimes and same symbols, almost as if, right? This is the whole ancient astronaut theorists believe that, right? We were visited by the Anunnaki <laughs> or the whatever it was, right? These these god kings, demigods, whatever you want to call them. And maybe the, how the story goes that they planted around the world these civilizations to thrive. And that's why you see the same, right? Quetzalcoatl, Kukukan, you have... Uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Ver- a lot. Ver- yeah, they're, they're they're a whole they're a whole mythology of of you know the 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 coming together of all these these creatures, mm-hmm. which um, in the audio series, Estrellan Solaris go to a, a a banquet and they're invited by the descendants of Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, which right, and they recognize. The secret society the, well, type of thing. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And and they recognize, and, and Estrella's there like, see, ha, 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 finally, you know what I mean? And what do they do is they want to hear from the hybrid who is actually Solaris. And the so, star was pissed off about that too, huh? And she, yes, she's pissed off about that because how dare you? Remember, this is a narcissistic character. She's like, <laughs> how dare you steal my thunder? This is my motherland. I'm from Mexico. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so it's it's showing that they're uh, acknowledging that this hybridization is was part of their path too to increase you know their lineage and their 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 descendants and in the book it goes way more deeper into I you know I was able only like they were here and they gave a speech and yeah but in the book boom she meets so many people they they give her some things for protection it's it's really interesting how that all unfolds but yeah so if you're you're talking about reptilians were they the reptilians um here's how i like to see it because we have serpentry in all the like ancient text and symbology and the esoteric literature and stuff like that is i think both yes there's an element of like reptilian um maybe like avatars and stuff like that but i also think too if we elevate the idea of reptilian and the concept of the snake symbol is could it possibly be uh just a symbol for a type of consciousness level and when we think of a reptilian i think of like more logical in the logical side 
and you know more analytical and 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 certain more masculine and certainly you know those sides you know when we think about how energy works and we think usually in the symbology of geometry feminine energy is is a circle and then masculine energy is a line moving forward into action so to me serpentry would be the line moving forward into action the masculine the logical the logos Very fallacy yeah yeah yes exactly so if we were to take that serpentry consciousness and then merge it so in a refined way with you know a creative consciousness or a female consciousness what would that you know hybridization look like which we are all a product of that because we have both of that in us so when i think of the you know as you say the garden of eden and the snake i think of that being part of the the consciousness like maybe that's what they were lacking so if we don't have logic and, you know, analyzation, how are we really like conducting ourselves in the world? Maybe that would make a being a little naive, right? A little naive and kind of like not really able to figure out and map out the world around them until you put the analytics and critical thinking in them. And then they're questioning like, what the hell? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did an episode. Whenever you get religious, the, the experts come out of the woodwork because religion and ancient scripture is something that's really open for interpretation. And I mean, it, it's gnosis. It's whatever you extract from it. It's symbolism. It's whatever the symbols mean to you and however they speak to your soul or, or your consciousness, whatever it is. So I, I did an episode on the serpent seed and in the idea of, right, in the book of Genesis, you have these angels, which are the way that my buddy Dave put it, from the proto-evangelium is that they are like these half reptilian-esque beings kind of like dragon being things that they right insert themselves into the daughters of men and he 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 also believes that right and that, that would make sense that half reptilian half whatever this hybrid that they were creating right these giants or or the the nephilim or whatever it was that they were creating from whatever was coming from that that pairing together and he also believes that the secret that they got from eating the forbidden fruit was the knowledge of reproduction, of sex, mm-hmm. of, right, gen- he broke, again, he, he we did like this whole three hours, he broke it down, uh, you know, from, he, he did this whole breakdown of it. And the idea that the, right, that was the forbidden art, the oh. the art of reproduction, the art of sex or, or whatever that was, right, because they... They clothe themselves. So it wouldn't be too far-fetched what you're saying of making this pact. And then the curse. That's such an interesting concept because, and I mean, not to get controversial, but what a better, what a better <laughs> way to, to destroy an empire than not from the outside, but from the inside out and letting itself crumble in on itself. And, I'm kind of seeing a parallel with that, the the concept that you are trying to portray here of turning them all into homosexuals and, and letting them get rid of themselves, essentially, eliminate themselves. And we can kind of see that today with, and I know you're part of that community, but these movements of, right, everyone is this or fluid or whatever it is, do you think that would be 
uh, you know, kind of we're seeing that today in a in a sort of weird way, like this prophetic way of of you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at. Well, uh, yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. So, okay, so this is where it becomes a slippery slope because I thought this too, and and when you hear Emiliano, if you remember the last last episode, the final spiral, where Emiliano is the one who's revealing this to her, he's like. No wonder you have problems with all the men in your life. It's your curse. You put the curse on us, including me. You made me gay. That's really why he's pissed at her because mm. I made him gay. You know what I mean? So the thing is, is that as a writer and as we're exploring these concepts, in no way am I saying by putting a curse on the Roman Empire so they can self-implode is makes everyone who's homosexual like cursed let's get that out first like absolutely not okay no this is a writing of fiction and at the time cleopatra's desperate as hell like hello her empire's done she's she's in the darkest of the darkest trenches so she's gonna like take that that pact and she's gonna do what she has to do and if it's the only way to implode an empire is by cutting off their reproduction, that's really what's going on. It's the gay is like the secondary. Really, it's cutting off reproduction so they cannot reproduce. They cannot. That's it. They're done for. So, so hopefully, so I don't want anyone to be offended about that because that's not in any way. Somebody like, will get offended. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> as usual, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? But and the guy who did who Emiliano who did the voice, he's a gay man, so. You know, you oh, the guy, the voice actor was actually. Yeah, my okay. vo- the, my voice actor Emiliano is totally gay, so he's not offended. So there you go. So also oh, that's funny because he had to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was reading the script as a gay man about being. <laughs> yes, but you know what? He's so and he's so esoteric too. He lives in Mexico City. He's one of my best friends. Him and I have been saying since we were like in middle school, we'd be like, by the power of raw. I don't know where the hell we got that from, the Prince of Egypt, I guess, but we were always saying that. And then we grew up and we we're like, we knew something. But he too would completely understand with where I'm coming from, considering he's gay in this life. Like he would agree with me. So a lot of these concepts that I play with are not because they're my own, like just this is what it is. No, it's because they're they're pieces of people that I have conversations with. I try to understand them through life. We try to understand each other. And then it becomes this mosaic of experience that develops into, you know, like this concept, you know, the, the, the Cleopatra curse. But to go into what's happening in this day and age, I believe that eugenics has a hand in a lot of what's happening with a lot of people, um, whether it be confusion, sexuality, illness, uh, just all kinds of things. Eugenics has been taking place for a long time since even probably before Project Paperclip, where they brought the Nazi doctors over here. That's what they were doing. That's what they were working on. The, the thing is, so when, as I write this, you know, this book about Mexico, there's also, again, a big part of it that says people, I don't like when they start to like essentially talk shit about America when they're like, oh, America's capitalist and America this. No, guys, listen, the American people are innocent. We've been subjected to eugenics. We've been subjected to biological warfare and the rest of the world. We've been subjected to um, psych ops. Okay. So 
it's not the people of America that like F them. No, we're literally the main testing ground for all this. We have been for many years, eugenics being one of those things. What's in our food, what's in the vaccines, what's in the air, all the chemtrails, like it's all over the place. We're in our own simulation. This is our Truman show has all kinds of like things for us to downgrade us as a human being in our mind, our body and our soul. So when there's confusion, I would say it's less of a like sexuality thing. And I think it's more of a confusion where we're just confused as humans. We don't even remember who we are in a divine aspect of things. And I mean, yeah, I mean, people are born gay. That's that's their life path. You know, God bless them. Obviously, hello, I like both, duh, you know, (laughs) people would be like that greedy bitch, you know, but sometimes we just like people and sometimes people truly are born, you know, in their sexuality and that's okay. The thing is that to recognize that hopefully our decisions are made from a soul purpose, you know, not just like maybe, you know, some other outside influence, but from a soul purpose, like this is coming from my soul. It's my truth. It's my authenticity. Then at that point, totally live your best life, whatever that is. Yeah. I, I've always said that whatever happens between two consenting adults is free game. Whatever people want to do between again, two adults and how you're saying, as long as you're not trying to force it upon the kids, right. Going into yes. schools and publishing all these grotesque books and, and doing drag shows in front of kids and all that, that just, abominations right i mean that that's that's grooming that's like preparing those kids and forcing them because a freaking five-year-old doesn't know what the hell they what cereal they want to eat and yet you're you're gonna tell me what sexuality they are come i have a five-year-old i know what it is to negotiate with one and i know how easy it is to manipulate them as well to say whatever you want them to say you know what i'm saying like so i agree with you on that i have nothing against any communities i I hate everyone equally. Okay. So I don't have <laughs> your equal opportunity of thunder. <laughs> yeah. I don't have Listen, I, anything against anyone. I think it's, 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 it's uh, important for us to distinguish that there's a difference between inverted perversion in the society and being gay. So being gay does not mean you're a pervert, but there's a systematic inverted perversion that gets put in the society to over sexualized children. And that is wrong. Children do not need to be talking about sex or their sexuality. They're children. They're not developed to do that. 100% here in the border, there's, you know, so many things going on with human trafficking, which is also in my book. There's human trafficking, there's child trafficking, and it's coming to the surface finally, because this is something that I've been very passionate about exposing, which is why I even moved back to Texas six years ago as part of my esoteric work in my mind. And now it's being exposed. Now it's, uh, you know, a mainstream thing. And it's, you know, it's, it's a fucking like disgusting thing in our reality that has perviated our planet that needs to be reconciled, resolved and eliminated. So yes, we are going to point out when people are using inverted perversions to systematically, you know, brainwash and, you know, control children, we're going to be the first ones to say that is wrong and we're not going to allow it in our world. And if anyone wants to come and and be combative with us and and say otherwise, I'm sorry, there's no argument for, you know, allowing children to be perverted. You're this, this, this wrong. It's wrong. Wrong is wrong. You know what I mean? And also like on that note, 
it's it's this thing where you know we we're, we're bringing like you know these dark to light concepts. Do you know what I mean? Dark to light, and we have to get back to my aunt. My aunt's she's part, she's part of the gay community, and she'll be the first one to say she's like, since when the hell are there drag queens reading to kids? Like he, she's like, drag queens is a is a is a lifestyle. It's a fucking weird it's, it's an, it's an artistry that that is done at night in clubs where kids are not allowed. That's the whole point. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and and drag other drag queens will say it too. Like, okay, this is not like a kid thing. This is this is a nighttime thing with adults and entertainment and artistry and blah blah blah. But you know, when you bring it, like, let me shove it down your throat, and we're gonna read to your kid in the library, drag queen style. Like, no, who's making the thing is? I wouldn't even be mad at the drag queens. I'm mad at who the librarian or the principal <laughs> who's making these decisions. Like, what is wrong with you? It yeah. would be my next question. You know? Absolutely. No, no. Yeah. Again, just a bunch of weirdos trying to all right, over-sexualize something that shouldn't be to begin with. And I, I wanted to, you were mentioning something earlier about charting out something about soul alchemy and, and how things are interconnected with the web. And here's the thing about when you take fiction and you mix it in with reality and like real esoteric subjects, because sometimes you the line is blurred and you don't know what is actual history, like Cleopatra's curse or what is a concept that, or an idea or a channeling, whatever you want to call it, that, that was given to you. Uh, this idea of the, the soul being intertwined with everyone else's. And I think you called it an octopus. Can you elaborate yeah. a little bit on that concept of, is that an actual thing? I've never seen any soul charts yeah there's um there's what is her name oh god i'll have to send it to you i can look it up right now but there's a there's a metaphysical teacher her name she's old um school style she's sorry i'm also looking to plug my computer (laughs) she has a chart and before i saw her chart that i was already using the octopus analogy of um okay so you know some people subscribe to we have a higher self right? The higher self gives messages and, and leads us on our path. But it's like, what else is come? Is it just me and the higher self? But then I started to think, okay, in my experience, we have like these soul connections that are undescribable, like they're so intense. And so we must be connected in some way. And then people who like the concept of like twin flames and stuff, you know what I mean? And like, twins and counterparts so then i was thinking okay well then if if they say those are two souls or one soul split into two bodies then certainly we can't be limited to to just that there's to be more of us you know so then i started with the concept of understanding and explaining with the octopus then i started to come into um i think her name is like daenerys or denise or something like that she's an old old school lady and she brought up this uh soul kind of like geometry concept and i was like that's exactly how what i think of it that's how i think of it and I'm, i'll send it to you and on um the cover as so know as polanco there's a like a geometry like blooming flower in the sky and that's representing the connections and really that's all it looks like it's just like a geometry like the flower of life that's how our souls are all connected it's such a natural like intermingling of it you know to to explain this concept a little bit better. there's an actual show named alchemy of souls and because I'm looking up like alchemy, uh, soul, ch- soul alchemy chart, and there's a, a show called Alchemy of Souls, and it looks, dang it, let me look it up here. 
It looks like it's what is this? It's like either Chinese. Is it on Netflix? Oh, it's actually on Netflix. So Alchemy of Souls is check this out. This is interesting. It's actually a show. Oh. And I think it's never China, heard of it. Chinese, I think is what it is. Interesting. Korean. So it's South Korean. Whoops. And set in a fictional country, Dayo, the series is about love and growth of young young mages as they overcome their twisted face due to a forbidden magic known as alchemy of soul, which allows souls to switch bodies. Wow, look at that. Oh, okay. So interesting. I wonder if they have any subtitles. I'd be interested in watching this. So you see these concepts are like like they're original, but they're not. And I'm There's finding that a lot of the sun, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Maybe just like some t- sometimes in the way like we describe it or whatever, but like there's nothing new under the sun. And then also I find it interesting how one like one of us comes into it and then there's more people coming into it. So that means this this is a collective thing that is awakening and we're just grabbing onto it and doing, you know, whoever it calls mm-hmm. that person, you know, to do or investigate or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's something that's always interested me, like as far as i have what's her name there's this woman alchemist that she was like the originator of soul alchemy i forgot her name i have her information somewhere anyways uh, i don't i've never really been interested in like soul alchemy so much right it's a little mm-hmm. bit it's a little bit too woo woo for me but it's weird for me to say because there's i talk about a lot of woo woo concepts and I, I find myself like kind of sometimes drawing lines and when I'm like, I'm reading about, you know, dudes stepping outside of space and time. But then when I hear somebody telling a story about, you know, Bigfoot touching them inappropriately, I cringe. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I find it kind of hard to believe when it comes to that. <laughs> but then I'm reading about all these. So what what's this lady's name that you sent me? Ashana Deanne. That's the one who talks about the where I saw the actual like map of the souls of what I was already describing. So I'm like, okay, so see, I'm not like just too, I'm not just creative. It's actually like existence. On the tree of life, the Kabbalistic tree, is that the one you're talking about? Uh, no. I'm trying to find the chart, or is it the one where it looks like an infinity symbol? No. I don't know. I'll ha- I'll have to send she's, it to you because I have her. There you go. Okay, yeah. Let me see. Let me see what you got there. This is the Aquafarian Navajo. Not that one. Not that one. So scroll down a little bit. It 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 looks like yeah, like a, a flower of life kind of chart going off here. in many directions, like a circle. Let's see if it's here. This is her stuff. Is it this here? Anyways, I'll look her up. And... Oh, that might be close to it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, but totally investigate her. She's She has some interesting things to say. Uh-oh, she's got some alien gray stuff here. What's going on? Angelic realities? Oh, shit. A primary <laughs> intruder race. We might have to get her on to talk about <laughs> the angelic realities. Who are the visitors and where do they come from? Visitors were called angels in ancient texts. Today we call them ETs. And same interdimensional interstellar races. Yo, she's going in. Ash- Ashayana Dean going in hard in the paint. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, she goes in hard. For sure. Cosmic structure is the Knights Templar cross here. I've heard that that's like I think the answer to all these mysteries is light. I think that the light is like the most important aspect to the mysteries and Totally. I haven't figured it out yet. I don't think I ever will, but Oh, she's going hard in the paint here. I'm going to have to check this out. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So this idea that we're totally. all connected, I mean, that would make sense because, right, when you, reminds me of Al Kindi's concept of, right, light, where we are all emanating light outward and everything is emanating a, a light outward and and reality itself is light and depending on how my light reacts with your light that reaction that's the alchemy right mm -hmm. and you're also the people who the magicians are the ones that are able to turn their their souls and this is this is, paracelsus also talks about this where they they're able to take their souls and they're able to turn it into a mirror to bend that light and those are the magicians, the ones that are able to work with these lights, these cosmic, what they're called cosmic rays. And they're able to take that energy and again, form it into something else for whatever purpose that they want to, for their magical purpose, for whatever they're trying to achieve. They take this light coming from the stars, coming from right when they do an animal sacrifice, they're taking, they're snuffing out that light of that animal. Mm -hmm. And then they're taking that energy and they're, able to transmute it to to have a you know some effect on some other layer of reality essentially is what it is so i think it yes. all goes back to that light concept and there's something about it and i think that the bands like what's that band with the prism on their cover that pink floyd yeah yes i think that's what they're trying to like Flex and there's a lot of signs of like secret societies and secret groups that take these symbols and it's like, hey, if you know, you know, type of thing. If you know what this means, you're in the group. If you don't, then you're probably not in the group. Like, for example, a light photon. If you look at a uh, uh, light photon, it's the shape of the Knights Templar cross, and it's like mm -hmm. for those guys that know, that are in the know they know right and they wear it on themselves they go oh, i wonder where that came from well those are the secrets of the secrets right yeah and then going back to the pink floyd symbol of the triangle and the prism that prism is our chakra system so we're like that our body is the triangle and then the rainbow is the chakras that's what we all have and when they're lit up we're we're a super being and yeah, they the elites or you know secret societies know the mysteries. They know about the mysteries, so you know they 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 totally are in tune with what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and most definitely, that you see this in again. The it's almost making me think like that guy that made you say that line, and it kind of sort of activated something in you. I feel like maybe he was doing some magic on you when he told you to yes. do that. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting that you say that because I felt like some in my mind's eye, it's like I saw something come out of my throat chakra and like flip like a coin in midair, like blue ding 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 ding. And then because I lost my voice a little bit after that. 
and it came back, but it took a while. And I was like, the fuck was he doing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that day, but (laughs) it's interesting that you said that because I think the same thing too. Yeah, and you just got to be careful with certain types of people because I've experienced it before, like psychic vampires type of stuff, where when somebody Mm -hmm. walks into a room and they suck the entire life, you know, a room or a stream, and they suck the entire life out of everyone on there, including yourself, and it's like, hmm, something's up with this person, you know? So, and and, and that's an actual thing. People take your energy and they're able to to transmute it right there there are a lot of esoteric concepts that people use and yeah did you want to touch on anything else before we we wrapped up do you know exactly when this this will be out the book and and the actual book itself because i know the audio drama is out now the book do you know do you have an exact date um exact i don't have an exact date but it's going to be out no later than mid-october so about two weeks two weeks um, but yeah, you can get it on my website, creativeintelportal.com directly from me. It's also going to be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and anywhere that you can order books. Uh, but it's, it's a project that I'm really proud of for many reasons, because I feel like I get to be like real, like how I'm talking to you. I get to be real about the concepts that I'm presenting. And then also like, I'm just happy to have finished a project because I have a lot of books on the shelf. Like you said, you're writing a book and it takes a long time. And the thing is, is for me, part of like my 101 ego deaths is that I was so fixated on writing like a, a, a like a self-help book, like a manual to understand all these concepts. And it just wasn't like finishing. So then I was like, what the hell? Like, let me just have fun and infuse all that I love about the esoteric into a fiction, to a fiction story. And that seemed to just be birthed more naturally and more easily. And so that, that was, I mean, if that's, you know, for anyone who you know, needs to hear that sometimes when we feel like so serious about our knowledge and about ourselves, sometimes if we just step back and be like, it's not about me, let me, let me give life to something else within the intertwining and the fusing of some of these concepts, it seems to become more manifested more easily that way is what I found. Yeah, and I've been actually debating on switching over to like a a fictional format for my thing, but cuz cuz like how you said you can you're not so constrained and restricted into what you can bring in and out of it. And like my book is, you know, academic based on literature and books and and stories essentially is what it is. I mean, there's a lot of stories about a lot of different things. And I was like, man, what do I just do? Because a lot of, you know, authors and researchers that have inspired my work, they've also worked on fictional writings and they usually come out really good. But it's like, is it, do I perceive it as good because I understand and I can, I know about the concepts being discussed? (laughs) Because one of the mistakes I make is I believe everyone is also into this sort of crazy esoteric occult ideas and not every this is not everyone's cup of tea when it comes to like subject matter i can't have a regular conversation with somebody and that's why all my friends are on the internet and all my friends are in the computer essentially because i don't have anyone in real life that i can relate to when it comes to these sort of topics 
So oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think like you too, we, we tend to kind of miscalculate. We think everybody's into this or they understand at least, you know, the basis of it. And, and sometimes they really don't and where they're not interested, you know, mm. and we're like living our best esoteric life. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever, who cares? I'm trying, <laughs> to, like, but wait. <laughs> I'm trying to peek behind the veil of reality and people are just too interested in other things. And I just don't understand why you know some people how I, I don't understand how some people can just go about life not questioning anything and just existing like i i i ignorance is bliss right i mean and sometimes do i wish i could be like that sometimes you know just just take things for what they are and not try to be watching the Sonic movie and trying to find the occult aspects of it <laughs> <laughs> i know sometimes it can really like take over us I'm, mm-hmm. i know certain there was different incarnations of me in this life where it has taken over me but i in this point i know that through the things that i've gone through and you know a lot of ego deaths that i've had that you know i just kind of like surrender to the beauty of it and i don't i no longer care unless someone asks me or unless we're in cool moments like these then i just like I don't even care to share it with you. Like I just kind of like take it all for myself and enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's like, if you cannot see the beauty unfolding, the magic, then maybe I'm just not the one to tell it to you, honey. You know what I mean? Unless you ask. Well, that's the thing. I completely understand. That's the thing about researching and constantly reading. And that's why I, I think that's why I podcast too, because it's like, I have the sickest alchemical knowledge right now. Like I have the sickest esoteric boner right now. Like as I'm reading this book and I'm just like, I just can't wait to drop it on a podcast episode, right. To blow people's minds. Like that's, that's me probably 98% of the time. Cause I can't get it out before the actual episode who are, you know, cause most of my, most of my shows are, are free format, open conversation. And every now and again, I'll do like a themed episode where we talk about one thing, but usually I like to jump on with people and I like to talk to them about whatever, you know? Totally. I mean, that's, that's the great mystery of life is we are all carrying stories and information. And so when we're able to connect and share and compare and contrast, we're like, wow, okay, this, this is interesting. You know what I mean? I really appreciate, (laughs) you know, the questions you've even asked me or bringing up the Elias thing, which you sparked a memory of research in me and got me excited again. I'm like, oh my God, Juan, you're so correct. That's exactly what happened. So that's cool. I appreciate that, you know? And, um, yeah, I hope that you will uh, read the book when it comes out, and yes. I hope that you find it more fascinating. Some more, it gets even, it gets really occultish, like, and I think you'll enjoy that. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I, w- I want, I want the the actual book itself. So let me know when that's out, and I'll, I want to time the release of this with that. So we'll we'll talk after. But you've, as always, you've been lovely, Mandy. I, I enjoy talking to you. This is a great conversation. Can you let the listeners know where they can find your work again, the website and also the app where they can listen to the audio drama? Yes, you can download the headphone app and it's spelled with an F for phone. So the headphone app on your app store and then new releases or weirdly adult romance, you will find my story, The Soul Effect. And you can listen to the seven episodes there. You can subscribe and unlock them. 
And then the book, Estorno Espolanco, that will be out mid-October, and you can get that on my website, creativeintelportal.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at soul.alchemist33 or at the CQ portal or on, you know, the one-on-one podcast, and he'll mm-hmm. forward you over to me. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me, Juan. It's always so much fun, and I, I appreciate being able to, you know, go down the snake hole with you. Yes, absolutely. You're, you know you're always welcome. I appreciate you coming on. And as always, everyone, make sure to follow the show at the one one podcast, tjojp.com, and catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now.